sales is tough. It's brutal. You don't sign up for sales because it's going to be peaches and cream and, you know, all that stuff. You're going to get the snot kicked out of you. Hi, my name's Kurt Mercadante, and I'm a husband, father, speaker, trainer, and disruptive entrepreneur whose mission is to save the world by helping individuals fight for lives of freedom and fulfillment. And that's what this show is about. We're here to help you fight apathy and conformity in your life. We're here to interview and tell the stories of individuals around the world who are helping others live lives of freedom and fulfillment as well. This is the Freedom Club Podcast, and we're grateful you're here. And welcome to the Freedom Club Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Mercadante. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I mean it when I say I am truly grateful that you join us. We have an audience around the globe, and I am so grateful that people choose to spend some time with us. I'm even more grateful that a number of you, a growing number of you, choose to head over to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review. Those positive ratings and reviews are absolutely like currency. They help us expand our reach around the globe. And all of you listeners get treats like the one I'm going to share with you today in the form of my interview with Larry Levine. Listen, he's got 27 years, successful years of sales experience in B2B sales, technology, office technology, document management solutions. He's managed services for customers ranging from up and down the street accounts for Fortune 500 companies. He's also author of the great book, Selling from the Heart. And I got to tell you, when I first heard that title, I thought, well, it's a little touchy-feely for me. But I think you'll agree today when you see Larry, he's not really a touchy-feeling guy. He does talk about starting from within when you're building a brand, when you're going to be effective at sales. But his book is all about cutting through the bullshit. He's a no-bullshit guy. I think you'll get that from our interview today. But he and I are absolutely on the same wavelength. Listen, whether you're going to be successful as a human, whether you're going to build strong, sustainable relationships, whether you're going to build a strong, sustainable brand, whether you're going to be successful at sales, it doesn't start with the tools and techniques, the, the logo, the website. It doesn't start with any of that bullshit. It starts from you. It starts from within. So we talk a lot about that today. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Larry Levine, author of Selling from the Heart. All right, Larry Levine, thank you so much for being on the Freedom Club podcast. How are you doing today? Doing awesome. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah. You and I have have had a, uh, we could have gone on for hours talking offline before I even hit the record (laughs) button. And uh, we had a good discussion few weeks ago. I finished your book, Selling from the Heart, yesterday. Had a long flight, made a ton of notes. And uh, first and foremost, I appreciate you writing that book because I think it's absolutely necessary. No. uh, Well, thank you. And I appreciate you reading it. It's That book, I think, was long overdue because, you know, I I made a promise a long time ago to my wife I'd write a book by the time I was 50. So it happened shortly thereafter. But it was it was bringing me to life and, and I didn't want to, I'm not here to disrespect the sales profession and, you know, throw dirt at them. I'm saying is we all can do better. And I was bringing my life to the forefront through the book, the way I believe that the profession should be as sure. opposed to the way it is. And, you know, to me, I always got dealt, you know, unfortunate things in sales. I think the longer you spend in sales, you always have those aha moments and things like that where things just don't go right. And, you know, mine occurred 20 something years ago and I didn't know it, but at the time that was the start of my selling from the hard journey when I got schooled from a CFO. And, you know, I write about it in the book. I talk about it is, you know, it was right then and there that I said, you know what, I got to stop making it about me, my company, my product, and I got to flip the switch and I got to start making it about them and showing that I truly care about them. No deception whatsoever. I'm there to help. And the more that I get to know somebody and the more that I show that I care about them, I found out that the complete opposite started to happen. They started to share with me what their concerns were, what their issues were. And we just had heart-to-heart conversations. That's what I wanted to bring out and selling from the heart, Kurt. That's awesome. I, you know, I, I, um, I always like to say that no one gives a shit about your product, your services, your bells and your whistles. And last year I was in Cairo, Egypt with a startup accelerator. And I asked the simple question, like, who are you? You know, what is the purpose of your company? 
And what's the impact you want to have? And they all were, well, we're an app and we're with this and, they, and they, they, all the technical difficulties. And I said, no. And one of them was a, an app that uh, in Egypt, their healthcare system is obviously much different than our healthcare system here in the right. United States. And, and what they have, and, and this is actually going to be an interesting segue into, the, into my next question for you. They have, uh, you know, if you're in a rural area or out in the desert, you can't get to a doctor, the doctor in the big cities. And if you ever want to see, uh, I will never complain about traffic congestion anywhere in the United States ever again. Cause I think Cairo has like 50 million people. The, ja- <laughs> the Japanese came in, they said some Japanese researchers came in and studied the traffic patterns, the government. And they told the government, they said, you know, it's, we, we can't understand it. Based on all our models, there is no scientific and mathematical way that any traffic should move at all in Cairo yet somehow you find a way for it to happen. But I, I digress on that. But, they, but um, because of that, um, and, and a variety of other reasons, doctors are in the cities. And if you're out in the, in the hinterlands, you can't make it into the city. What a lot of people do for their health care, well, I have a massive headache and I've had it for six months. I go to my pharmacist. And you have the pharmacist kind of acting as the de facto doctor. So what they'll do is they'll give someone like a Tylenol and then the right. person drops dead because they had a tumor. No one knew it. Anyways, one of these startups did, it was a web-based, I think it was in Messenger, they had a Messenger bot, and it was the ability to, it was 24-7 access to healthcare via telemedicine. But so I kept going back and forth with this, the CEO and his business development guy. So what does it do? Well, we're a Messenger bot. We did that. I said, no, that's not what I asked. What is the impact you want to have? And finally, the doctor said, who, who was the founder? said 24-7 access to healthcare. I said, is that going to save lives? He said, yes, absolutely. I said, so you're saving lives by offering 24-7 access to healthcare. He said, yes. I said, that's it. That's the, you know, getting to the heart of that, your purpose for being in the vision, the impact you want to have on your customers, it's about them. So many people just, they they make it about the product and the, the bells and the whistles, right? Well, it's because I'm a firm believer, and I'll stick up for salespeople right now on this one, Kurt, is their product to their environments. Sure. And unless, you, unless you're strong inside, you're just, you are who you are based on the company that you're working for. And, you know, I never overcomplicated anything, but I remember back, I was, I was in the same company 20 years and I knew when I was inside that company, it was up to me because I saw the dysfunction and I saw what was going on in the company. And I go, you know what? I'm going to take it upon myself because if I don't, then I'm just going to succumb to what's around me. And I always say, you know, most people swim in a cesspool inside a sales team just because that's just the way it is. Yeah. And I go, you know what? If my managers aren't helping me improve, then I owe it to myself and I owe it to my family and I owe it to my career to do something about it. So I became my own sales manager. I mean, I respected the people that I had to roll up to, but I go, hey, listen, it's up to me. If I want to get to where I need to get to, then it's up to me. And that's what I want salespeople to think about is, you know, it has to start inside you and you have to do what's right for you. And you got to be on that quest to learn all the time. And it's not just learn about your company and learn about your products. It's learn about yourself. And that's where I said it all starts inside us. That's why I think, that's why I just love starting to connect to you, Kurt, and all that. And our messages are so similar is once we find out who we are, great things start to happen. But I talk about it in Selling from the Heart. There's so much misalignment going on inside the sales world. And a lot of salespeople are confused because they just don't know who they are. And, you know, it's not just sales. You know, I, I go into companies, I'll do trainings. And, and recently, it's interesting because I have a number of companies who want me to come in with their sales team or biz dev teams. I don't, I don't do sales trainings, but they want personal branding trainings because they, they, their, their salespeople are trying to mimic other people. You know, our uh, Victor Antonio, uh, you know, he, he said an interesting piece. He, he used the term, you know, said that you are the X factor. If you're in an industry where the product, the services are basically the same, the differentiator is you. 
And there's a lot of folks, like you said, who say, well, it's price, it's my product, I don't have good enough leads, you know, and they don't look from within to build that. I mean, you can call it a personal brand, you can call it just knowing your truth and living your truth. Um, and having that strong sense of self. And, you know, in the book, you write a lot, I mean, selling from the heart, right? When, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, selling from the heart, it's touchy-feely, whatever. And then I met you and it's like, no, 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 he's not, he's not that, type of, that type of dude, you know? And the book isn't about that at all. It's, it's, it's having that strong sense of self, strong sense of values, but also a learning mindset so that you can, you can grow. Yeah, I always said, you know, you get what you get with me. Um, I, I may on the outside appear as a hard ass and I don't care and all that, but deep down inside, I actually do care. I say what I say because I care about the profession. And when I talk to salespeople, when I talk to leaders, I said, I'm coming at this from a caring mindset. I'm here to help. And they go, I could tell because I hear the conviction in your voice. And, and I, I remember this goes back. I got to share a quick story with you if I can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I was, this was about three years ago. I'm speaking at an event and there was probably a couple hundred people in the room of various roles, whether those be small business owners, medium-sized business owners, owners, VP of sales and so forth. And the nature of my topic was, why is your major account department, why are your major account salespeople, the cream of the crop inside your company, why are they so dysfunctional? And I remember uh, the first 30 seconds I stood up in front of these leaders of these organizations, I said, why is your team, why is your major account team so dysfunctional, Kurt? And I stopped. I didn't say a word. And I'm standing up in front of these people. (laughs) I didn't say a word. 15 seconds went by, 20 seconds went by and I'm walking around, right? Finally, I said, well, since nobody wants to admit it, let me share with you the answer. And the answer is, I'm looking at you guys. You're the reason why. And I share this because at the end of my speaking engagement over there, someone pulled me aside and they go, you know, we really like your message, but you're too direct. And I said, okay, why should I sugarcoat things? And that's when the light bulb went off for me, Kurt. And I said, you know what? You get what you get with me. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm going to share with you the truth. I'm going to dose you out some humble pie because we're all adults and we all can agree we need to improve. And especially at the leadership level, your team is who they are. It's because of you. And that's when I said, you know what? I'm not going to disrespect anybody. I'm just going to share it as I see it. Yeah. And it's going to come from my heart. It's not going to come from a point of I'm here to belittle you and make fun of you and all that. No, I'm, I'm saying it because I truly care. And if you're leaders and managers and executives, if you truly care, you're going to take a step back and go, you know what? I got to lead. And I always say this, if sales leaders lead with the heart, they will have salespeople that sell with the heart. And, you know, something you said, you talked about, you know, hear, they hear the conviction in your voice. If you don't have that strong sense of self, everyone can know it. They can sense it. If you try to be, you know, a lot of people throw out the term authentic and you watch them. You, 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 I'm sure you know exactly, you know, I have 10 people who come to mind on LinkedIn who are full of shit. And you can tell they use the word authentic a hundred times in a video and they're being authentically someone else and they're, they're coaches they're trainers and they talk about, I'm crushing it. I'm killing it. And then behind the scenes, they're calling people saying, uh, I need free coaching because I'm not killing it. I'm not crushing it, you know? But I could have told you that without knowing the backstory because if you don't have that conviction in your voice and a strong sense of self and you don't know your truth, it comes through, doesn't it? Whether it's on the phone, on a video, face-to-face, from the stage. Well, no, oh man, we may take this off a tangent, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think you, you bring up a really good point is, you know, we live in this world today where everyone's fighting to be seen. And, you know, social is ingrained in our life, whether that be our personal lives, our business lives, our corporate lives. I think you'll agree, Kurt, social's integrated. It's not going anywhere and it's here to stay. So what, what's happening is I think people are fighting to be seen. 
And I started writing about this before my book came out because I started to hear words that were being thrown around social where you got to get visible and you got to get valuable and you got to get seen, right? You got to be heard and so forth. I agree. And I'm not here to discredit it, but where I am going to go with this is we have to understand in which context, you know, what order does it come in? Because too many people are trying to get seen and quite frankly, they don't have anything to say, but they're fighting to be seen. And I said, okay, let's just, let's just reorder this. If you can take a step back and you understand your internal value, the value that you bring to the marketplace, and you're clear and you're concise and with conviction, you can engage and drive a great message, then get seen like crazy over all the platforms that are out there and watch what starts to happen. And, and I say, I know it and I'm not here to pat myself on the back because that's what I did. Yeah. And that, that's why I draw a line with all these bozos out there, sorry, that um, stick a camera in front of their face and they're just, they're, they're, I, they're nice people. I'm sure they are, right? And, and again, it's, it's not to point fingers. But if you want to be genuine, if you want to be authentic and you want to speak from the heart, then find out who you are and get to know the real version of you not the next Gary V or the next Grant Cardone or the next somebody else. They're great people, but there's too many people that are trying to mimic their lifestyle and it just doesn't work. Yeah. And, and um, I always like to say that the three keys are there's attention, right? Getting, getting that attention, getting that audience, but that doesn't much matter if you don't have the other two, which is trust and authority. And the three go hand in hand. And some of it is based on, yeah, that conviction and knowing who you are. Some of it is based on, you know, if you say I'm the best video person in the world or I'm the best personal branding coach in the world and you don't deliver, that's part of your brand as much as it is getting the attention. And, uh, you know, some people got pissed at me last week. I said, there's a lot of people out there who had some viral videos. And so now they're sales coaches and now they're personal branding coaches. And really what they are is vendors. When you get down to it, I'll show you how to get a lot of views a lot of likes and views. And, and you and I, with Mark Hunter, you know, I told him, I, I, I do that. He's likes and views don't pay the bills. Yet there's so many people out there. They're 22 years old. I got 100,000 views on a video. So now I'm a coach. Now I'm a sales coach. Now I'm a branding coach. And you can tell they just don't, uh, you know, you get what you pay for, but you, you can tell they're full of shit without ever paying him a dime. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, likes and views are cute, right? They make, they make you feel good, but it's what you do with them. And, and that's, see, that's the interesting thing is I never paid attention to algorithms because I suck at math, right? I, I can never <laughs> figure it out. And I always share with people is the reason why you and I connected, Kurt, and I know it is deep in my heart is because we both drove great content. We both engaged. We humanized who we are in a world full of dehumanization. And we connected on a level around a common bond. But then we also did some back work on each other and determined, hey, we had some common bonds. And the minute we connected, and I know you know this is from that very first conversation, we struck up a really great friendship. And that was from the very first call. And I'm not saying this because, you know, you and I are on this podcast. I'm saying it because you got a chance to get to know who I was and vice versa before we ever picked up the phone or ever even drove a conversation. You see what I mean? And if if there's a lot of people out there, whether you're in sales or not, if you can humanize yourself on this social platform and really open up the kimono, right? Open up the window into who you are, the real you, that's what people want to see. Yeah. 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 And um, so, so let's back it up a little bit in your book. Sure. Um, and I mentioned pharmacists before. I said that was going to be kind of a segue. So you worked in a pharmacy as a youngster, right? And, and you wanted to get into to be a pharmacist and you learned, well, that takes uh, strong chemistry grades. And so you determined at that point, oh, what the hell am I going to do? And your dad uh, shared with you, hey, you know, if you can learn how to sell and you can learn how to sell specifically some, some products that are tough to sell, um, you'll never... Uh, go hungry, right? You'll never be unemployed. And, and that's why I always like to say a lot. And that's why, you know, it's the Freedom Club podcast, but we have, we joked around all the outbound crew, right? <laughs> On this podcast, because sales can equal freedom. And as your dad said, I think getting to the heart of his quote, I smelled freedom in his quote. 
if you can sell this shit, yeah, you're never going to go hungry, right? Yeah, and and we know what's interesting is I don't think there's anybody, and I know this because I spent 28 years in the Office Technology Channel. There is nobody that graduates high school starts college, gets their college degrees, and then says, you know what? When I get my degrees, I'm going to go out and sell copiers. I can <laughs> flat guarantee you that doesn't happen. Because I, I, you know, I lived through it because I couldn't pass chemistry. So I said, okay, if I can't pass chemistry, I'm not going to be a pharmacist. Well, I knew I loved driving conversation. I engaged, I loved engaging with people and I loved the whole art behind building relationships. So I go, what's the next best thing? Be a pharmaceutical rep. And that's when I realized that, you know, I was getting the good interviews, but I didn't have the sales experience. And that's when my dad said, hey, you know, you got to go out and figure this thing out. And he goes, go sell copiers for a year because if you could last in that industry, you're worth your weight in gold. But there was something and maybe it was how I was raised is I was raised in a time where you started a career and you stuck with it. You didn't job hop all over the place. That's just how my parents were raised in the time that I grew up. That's how I was raised. So I said, you know what? Instead of lasting a year and then parlaying that into something else, I remember listening to what my dad said. He goes, if you can last a year, you're worth your weight in gold. But it goes back further than that, Kurt, is, you know, you got to find a career and stick to it. Because that's what my dad did. And he was a rocket scientist for the U.S. Air Force. And that's all he was his whole career. And I said, you know what? I'm going to become the best copier sales rep out there. And the way I was going to do that was, you know, doing it my way. So that, that started a career trajectory of how many years in copier sales? 28. 28 years in copier sales. And I don't know much about copier sales, but I know that it ain't easy. <laughs> and, and as you, as you, as we talked about offline, as you talk about in the book, by the way, again, the book is selling from the heart. Great book. Go pick it up on Amazon. As you mentioned, you're, you're about to start recording the audio version of it. Um, the, you had to teach yourself in many cases, you had to make yourself the sales manager rather than, uh, you know, I always think of the, you know, the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right? Yeah. It's like, you, oh, the leads are bad. The price is too high. The price is too whatever, you write into the book, like, suck it up, buttercup, yeah. right? It's not the leads. It's not the quality of the leads. It's not, uh, you know, you have to be accountable. You have to be responsible. You got to get it done. And you decided, listen, they haven't trained me well. They haven't taught me well. My sales manager isn't getting it done. So damn it, I'm going to do it myself. Yeah, you know, and, and um, you know, the biggest thing that drove me was fear. Now, sometimes fear plays a part. You know, they go, hey, you got to run away from it. No, fear motivated the shit out of me because I never wanted to let my dad down. See, because, you know, we went different paths in our careers. My dad was a brainiac. I write about it in my book. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a, you know, he's a Cornell and New York University grad, totally brilliant doctorate in aerophysics, something like that. And here I am, getting a, you know, a bachelor of science in marketing and health science. And I'm selling copiers my whole career, but it was just something that I internally, I had to deal with, but fear motivated me. And that's what drove me because I wanted to prove to myself, but more importantly, I wanted to prove to my father that, you know what? Sales is a great profession. And what's even more important that I want salespeople to really understand who are listening to the podcast is your clients are your best source of coaching and training. You just don't know it because you never ask. And I was always comfortable enough in my own skin, Kurt, and I ate tons of humble pie, is I would always ask, what is it that you'd really like to see in a salesperson? What's going to wow the crap out of you? What's going to piss you off? And the reason why I'm asking that is because I want to become the best version of who I am. And I can't do that if I'm not aware of some of these things. And you would be amazed. It takes balls to do that because most people won't do it. But I just saw people on the other end just go, finally, right? Somebody who's just going to be genuine and just ask. And that's where I learned the art of just asking for help. 
is my clients were my best coaches and trainers. Yeah. Think about that one. Interesting. How many, pe- how many people would really suck it up and say, hey, Kurt, right? I appreciate, you know, you allowing me to serve you and I appreciate the opportunity to help you do better business. But I'm just curious, you know, what could I do better to serve you? How could I help you even more? What would you like to see from me that you're not getting? Can you imagine the learning moments that would happen from that? Yeah. Yeah. So many people. Well, and do you get the, do you get the, uh, the feeling that a lot of sales folks don't do it, even if they're listening to Tay, right? And, and they're listening to you. Some people wouldn't do it because they're, they're terrified of the answer or because they're too dogmatic in their approach. I would say both. I, I, you know, I think ego, fear, uh, a scarcity mindset and all that. And and here's, what's really interesting. And um, I was, I was talking to somebody just actually just yesterday about losing, you know, some accounts and so forth. In fact, you and I were talking about it prior to coming on the podcast, but what's really interesting is I share with salespeople, and this is what scares the crap out of me, is I don't think salespeople really truly understand their clients and what makes them tick. And, you know, salespeople always say, hey, I got great relationships with my customers. Great. I'm not here to discredit it, but that's just test to see how strong that really is. What's really interesting is, and I write about it, is how often salespeople talk about their clients, but they treat them as customers. Hmm. Interesting. And and I go, you know what? You got to dig in deep and you have to, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your company, your employer, that you have to build rock solid relationships with your customers and or your clients, however you view them. For one simple reason is salespeople live in a world where they're not trusted. They think they're full of BS And they're skeptical about everything that comes out of a salesperson's mouth. And I learned a long time ago that if I'm going to continue to do business with somebody and they're going to continue to do business with me, that I'm going to build a rock solid relationship with them. And I'm going to care about them and I'm going to love on them. And I'm going to get to know multiple people inside that account. Because if I don't, somebody else will. And that was the fear. And that's what I share with salespeople is you have to be willing to go face-to-face, belly-to-belly, heart-to-heart with your clients, especially your bread and butter, your A accounts, those ones that mean the most to you. If you would lose them, you'd shit in your pants. Yeah. And you got to ask them, what's the value I've been bringing to your organization? How have I helped you do better business over the last 90 days? What could I do even more than I'm not doing right now? And if you continue to do that, you'll uncover things, but don't be surprised if you get blindsided one of these days and they're gone. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, Anthony Yanarino, you know, he's got the book, eat their lunch. And when he was on the show, we talked about, you know, if your competitor has become more of a vendor than a trusted advisor, you can go and eat their lunch. And beware, because if you're a vendor instead of a trusted advisor, you're replaceable because there's no added value to that relationship other than, well, we pay them, they provide a product. Well, we can get these guys. They'll provide the same product plus relationship, plus value. Yeah. And, you know, and I always share with people, and, and I deliver it in a, in a little bit different way, but I, 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 you know, I want them to step back and think, and it's not being a hard ass, it's just getting them to think, Kurt is, listen, you know, whatever you sell, right? Whatever the product, the solution, the widget, whatever you sell, I want you to think about this the next time you go back to your client. If you have done absolutely nothing in your heart to enhance that experience, you haven't helped them do better business, you haven't educated them, you haven't found other ways to help them in their business, then why on God's green earth should they continue doing business with you? Yeah. Yeah. Simple as that. Then you can deflect and point fingers and moan and groan and bitch about it all day long. It's your responsibility. You signed up for this world of sales. 
no one forced you to become a salesperson. And, and those relationships are much more than simply four weeks before the contract is up, suddenly taking an interest in various things, right? I mean, that, it's, it, that's one, when, you, when you talk about things that come into my mind about negative uh, feelings or thoughts about salespeople, that's always it. Oh, suddenly, they're my best friend. I haven't heard from them in two, three years, but now the contract's up in four weeks and suddenly they want to know everything about me or suddenly, you know, uh, back when I had my agency, it was one of the reasons that I had law, I had some clients for 13 years. And one of the reasons that I was there, I lived off the drippings of much larger agencies. And those okay. larger agencies, their strategy was high turnover. We're going to go with you. We're going to give you, there was, oh, there's one agency in particular that I remember. They were in DC. They hired this business development person who was um, uh, a very attractive human being who would go to all the parties, right? Armed with tickets to the baseball game, to their box seats, ticket to the masters, all this stuff, right? And they would go and they get you as a client and all of a sudden what would happen? No more tickets. You'd be, on, you'd be signed up for six months, five months. You know, you have, you have a week left. All of a sudden, masters tickets, nationals tickets. But they would bring in six clients, five out the door. Six clients, five at the door. It was a constant churn and burn. The retention rate was horrible uh, of clients and employees because they didn't build those relationships. And I had built those relationships. So I had clients for 10, 12, 13 years because it went far beyond just I'm a vendor. It went into that, you know, the, the notion or the, the, the area of building a true relationship, not one just based on, on BS. Yeah, you know, and oh man, you bring up a really good point because at the tail end of my career, I was in corporate sales and I was working for a large Japanese OEM and I was on their major account team. And I fought this and I fought this and I fought this, Kurt, because, you know, I was in a downtown Los Angeles office and I was catty corner to the Staples Center where the Lakers and the Kings play. And it was part of what we had to do is, you know, the sheet came around electronically and you had to go, okay, what clients are you bringing to the Laker game, right? Sweet box, Kings game, concerts, things like that, Dodger tickets and so forth. And I fought it and I fought it and I fought it. And finally I gave in and I did it, right? Yeah. And I just, I didn't feel dirty about it. Did I have a good time? Yeah, I did. Of course, I'm a sports junkie. <laughs> but it's hard to really truly get to know somebody when you're at these events and you know, you pound a couple beers or you have some cocktails or you eat some food and things like that. You're really not doing some talking You go, Hey, thanks for the tickets. Right. High five. Love your brother. Right. All that stuff that happens. And I'm not dogging it. Cause I think there's, it plays a part somewhere, but I don't, I don't want you doing business with me because of that. If you are, that's just a transactional superficial relationship that's going to be broken when somebody else comes along and wines and dines you a little bit more with deeper pockets and a better credit card. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I never, I gave some Christmas gifts. I, I used to get some Omaha steaks. That was the extent of it. I mean, every once in a while I'd buy a dinner or something. Of course, if we were traveling with the client, but there were so many agencies. Oh, here's the Redskins tickets. Here's the tickets to this. Here's the tickets to this that fell by the wayside because the product or service they provided was shit. Yeah. And no matter how many Lakers tickets, no matter how many baseball tickets, no matter how many skyboxes that you sugarcoat stuff with, if, if the substance, if there's no there there, it doesn't matter. And you might as well just keep your money. You're, you're flushing it down the toilet. Yeah, you know, boy, you just you just brought up the substance word or just triggered something because I talk about being an empty suit a lot. Yeah. You know, it's the whole favorite chapter of my whole book's chapter 10 when the whole empty suit thing came to life. And thanks to Mark <laughs> Hunter, it came even it came to life even more. But, you know, I, I always share with salespeople and they go, you know, what do you mean by an empty suit? And I go, I'm going to keep it really simple. If you lack sincerity, if you lack substance and you lack heart, you're an empty suit. And when you, when I heard you say substance right now, it just triggered it because, you know, the whole, the sales profession can do so much better if they're truly sincere 
and they're not bullshitting anyone and they're not hiding it. No fake sincerity. Cause that could be smelled in two seconds. Yeah. If they bring some substance to the business table and they just bring their heart. In fact, and I know you had Victor Antonio on, on not too long ago. Well, Victor came on my podcast and Daryl and I were talking to Victor and he said almost the same thing, right? Hey, in a world where your product virtually is the same as somebody else, right? And your company service is virtually the same as somebody else's. The defining factor is you. Yeah. Then we took it a step farther and Victor goes, it's how fast you get to somebody's heart. Hmm. Now, I want you to think about that. And that's why, you know, I said hashtag speed to heart. It's the same thing is, you know, in a world where there's so much mistrust and there's so much skeptical buyers and also even throw clients, how fast you can get to someone's heart is going to play a, a huge part in this. I know because look at your personal lives. In your personal lives, it's how fast you get to somebody's heart that matters. So if we do that in our personal life, what prevents us from doing that in our business life? It's ego fear, right? Status quo. Oh, it's too mushy-gushy. I can't do it. So you guys got to stop. You mentioned, uh, and you write about it in the book, um, scarcity mindset. And I talk a lot about abundance versus scarcity as yeah. a precursor to everything, as a precursor to a life of freedom and fulfillment, as a precursor to being successful in sales, as a precursor to building a successful business. And a lot of people say, well, what, why does it matter? All right, it's that mindset stuff, but why does it matter for sales? And, and you hit on it. And, you know, first of all, a scarcity mindset, people... <laughs> People with a scarcity mindset feel guilty all the time. They buy into feelings of guilt. And if you don't have that strong sense of, damn it, I'm worth something, my product and service is worth something, and get to the fact that, listen, this is a value for value exchange, which is what happens in a true free market. If you have a scarcity mindset, sales is begging, right? It's yeah. because it's, it, everything's a win-lose. And some of those salespeople who go into it and it's a, it's a competition, it's a fight to the death, it's gladiator and it's win-lose, that's a scarcity mindset. Whether that, you know, you could apply that politically. I would argue that every politician today, it's about win-lose. It's about us versus them. The them is different in every case. But look for that win-win where, you know, Bob Berg, the go-giver, you know, he yeah. talks about this where it's collaboration. It's not competition. And um, that abundance mindset is so important every single day that the world is getting better. You trust in your value and you know that you communicate that value. So I'd love to hear you talk about more about the scarcity mindset and how that is a, is a direct impediment to sales success. Yeah, you know, and, and again, I had to learn all this stuff the hard way. I just didn't wake up one day and all this stuff just, you know, oozed from me. It was just through, I always tell people, right. And I, and I remember when I was writing Selling from the Heart and somebody asked me, you know, what's your, what's your background? Why are you writing this book? And I said, Hey, listen, I don't have a doctorate in human behavior or psychology or anything like that. You know, I have a PhD in getting this shit kicked out of me selling copiers in Los Angeles my whole life. Right. That's what I'm bringing. But one of the things that I had to work on in order to really make that happen is I had to work on myself and my mind because in sales is tough. It's brutal. You don't sign up for sales because it's going to be peaches and cream and, you know, all that stuff. You're going to get the snot kicked out of you. And I had to learn the hard way if I didn't work internally on myself. And that's where I learned about self-reflection and waking up every morning and spending the first 30 to 45 minutes working on me before I did anything else. And when you don't do that, your mind starts to play tricks on you. And Lord knows it still does with me sometimes. I'm not perfect on it. But, you know, our mind always plays tricks on us. Oh, where's that next deal going to come from, right? I got to close that next deal. I got to put food on the table, right? And, and I know that. Where's my next customer going to come from? But when I, when I continued to work on my mind and develop my mind, good things started to happen. What's really interesting is, and this is why I've really latched on. Do you know who Steve Harvey is, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just love that guy. Um, just because I love his background and he's just, he just throws it out there like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. 
And I recently, it was about a week or so ago, I saw a video that he did on YouTube. So it was after the Steve Harvey show, when everyone's cleaning up, he starts speaking to the audience. And he said, you know what? I'll condense the four minute video into about 30 seconds. And he says, listen, God didn't say, Kurt, you're going to be successful. And God didn't say, Larry, you're going to be poor. And God didn't say, Joe, you're going to be brilliant. And Mary, you're going to run a triathlon, right? Or compete in a triathlon. He didn't do that. You all have the same gifts. It's what you do with it. But what was interesting, he goes, what makes somebody more successful than others or more talented than somebody else? It all starts between their ears and it's their mind. And that's what I learned a long time ago, that if I didn't continue to develop my mind and prepare my mind every day for the world of sales, then I couldn't bring the best version of myself. And that's what I write about, you know, with scarcity mindset is I think we run scared because we don't know who we are. There's fear, there's ego and all that. Well, what happens? I'm afraid if, yeah. instead of looking at it as what could happen if I did this? Yeah. What's the best case scenario that can happen from this? Yeah. As opposed to, and I beat myself over with the mental hammer. And I know you probably have as well. Yeah. It's, the, it's the nature of spending any amount of time in sales or any career for that matter. But if we stop developing our mind, I think we just, we, we just go through life, just living life without really doing much of anything else. That's what I challenge salespeople. If you're not developing your mind, you're dead. We, I, I urge people, you know, in the morning to help cultivate that abundance mindset, ask yourself two questions. What's awesome about today, which is gratitude, but gratitude alone won't get it done because a lot of people use gratitude as an excuse for guilt and stagnation. Yeah. But that second question is what could make today even more awesome? And that second question acknowledges that there's some shitty things, right? But instead of saying they're shitty things, you say, there's some things that I could make more awesome. You know, it, it acknowledges that, you know, if you look in the world, it acknowledges there's people in poverty. But you know what? The world is actually a great place. Poverty has, is, has plummeted over the last 50 years at the, the, at the greatest lengths in human history. But there's still some things we got to fix, right? And, and so it acknowledges that. It's not Pollyanna. What, what are some, you read about them in the book, but what are some specific uh, kind of uh, mental workouts that people can do on a regular basis to, to cultivate an abundance mindset? I, I think the... the to me, I, I capture early mornings really well. And I know sometimes it doesn't work for some people because some people might be a night owl. Sure. But I say whenever you do it, you have to do it and you have to do it every day. Is I spend, you know, what, how I really started to recapture my mind and so forth is I found out that I love early mornings. I just love it. I just, I just crave early mornings. Um, you know, I get up at three o'clock in the morning. I don't do it to say, hey, guess what, guys? I get up at three. I do it because my brain works really, really, really well early in the morning. And I wake up first thing in the morning and I walk into my office and it's dark. And I just sit in my chair in my office and I think, who am I? What did I do yesterday to help somebody? What new conversation did I start yesterday? What can I do differently? Who can I go out and seek some advice from? And I just do that for 30 to 45 minutes. I don't even write it down. It just goes through my head. And then I go to the gym, do some cardio, and I just start walking. I start thinking and so forth. And then I come back and I do a little bit of reading and I read for 15 minutes a day. Yeah. But I've, I just found just, and you, we don't have to overthink it, Kurt. It, it's just sitting down, whatever you do, do it every single day and make a commitment, right? Take a little bit of time to reflect on who you are, become aware of who you are, and just ask your, you know, just mentally ask yourself a couple questions. Set up that appointment with you every single day. You know, I just wrote a blog about it, it came out last week. The best investment you can make is investing in yourself and spend the, you know, make an appointment with yourself for the first 30 minutes of every single day. I'm going to work on me. I'm going to read. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to mentally go through these three exercises. I'm going to mentally ask myself, who am I? What good did I do yesterday? Who did I help yesterday? 
and watch what starts to happen and do it day in and day out. To me, I don't even think about it anymore. It just comes natural. That question, who am I? So a lot of my trainings, I start out with the question, who are you? And invariably, 90%, 100% of the people raise their hand and they get up. I'm Jim, I'm Jane. I'm a VP of sales. I'm chief of marketing. I'm whatever. And I come back to it and I say, listen, I don't want to make you feel bad, but when you came out of the womb, did you have a name tag on that said, Jim, VP of sales? Yeah. Or Jane, chief of marketing? No, you're more. And we come to identify ourselves by our job title as a paycheck provider by the amount of money we bring in. So when you ask yourself, who am I? You know, where do you go to find out who I am beyond just, you know, because I think that's part of a scarcity mindset. When you only identify yourself by your job title, there's not an abundance and there's not that true strong sense of self, which has been a common theme in this discussion, but is a common theme throughout your book, having a strong sense of who the hell are you? Yeah, you know, and um, again, people might think I'm a little bit weird for saying this, but and again, it's it's just I'm comfortable with who I am. Is I would sit down in my close circle of friends, and I would ask them, mm-hmm. "So, what do you what do you really think of me?" I don't know where I learned it from, Kurt. It's just something that deep down inside of me, I. Something I always worried about, you know, what do my friends really think about me? What are the, what are the people that are in my close inner circle really think of who I am? And I'm heavily involved in my community and I love giving back and so forth. And I ask people all the time, hey, what is it about me that you like? What words, right? If you're in a party and my name gets brought up, what would you say about me? And it's okay if you tell me I'm an a-hole and you don't like me, right? Go ahead. Yeah. But it never happens. But it's, it's that whole, it's the, you know, it, it's, you'll be amazed what you can learn about who you are if you just ask your close inner circle, your family and friends. Hey, what words would you use to describe me? You're out in a social setting and somebody brings up, hey, man, you really need to get to know this Larry Levine guy. Well, why would you say that? Yeah. See what I mean? And there's a big difference between that and, you know, for some people listening, there's, and, and well, for some, it's a fine line. For some, it's a pretty bright line. There's a difference between self-awareness and being a people pleaser, right? And yeah. only reacting to what people want and, you know, being on Facebook and, building your life by what everyone else is doing. You're not saying that. You're just saying having a strong sense of self-awareness. And if some people say, I don't like this about you, you can still say, well, go jump in a lake, right? <laughs> this is who I am. But having that self-awareness is, is important, but it's different than, than just pleasing people, right? Yeah, you know, I, w- I would take it one step farther and I would urge the people who are listening to this, if they're in sales or, you know, any type of service-related organization, most people got customers anyway, is why don't you start asking them what words would you use to describe the service that I'm providing to you? If my name got brought up, what would you say? And I started doing that years and years and decades ago, Kurt. And I can remember when I would be sitting in front of executives with new opportunities and things like that, and it got brought up. Well, tell me a little bit about you know, some of your clients that you work with. I'd say, hey, I work with this person over here. I work with this person over here. Let me share with you what they say about me. Hmm. And then I would always end it with, you're probably, there's some doubt, right? There's something going on that I, you're probably saying this is too good to be true. I said, I tell you what, I can give you five people right now that I just mentioned. I can give you their cell phone numbers. Why don't you just ask them? But I was, I was clear and I was concise and it came across with conviction they never asked. Yeah. But I did, the, I knew I'd never get called out on the carpet because I asked, I asked my clients. I was in deep with my clients and I chose to dug in deep with my clients. And what's, what's really interesting is if you're, this is what I want salespeople to understand is if you stopped visiting your customers, I don't care how often or how infrequent you go, but if you stopped, would they even miss you? If you weren't there, would they miss you? And what's interesting is about a month ago, I ran into an old service technician of mine. 
in the parking lot of the shopping center. And we hugged and high five and did the bro thing and all that. And he says, Hey, Larry, he goes, we still talk about you. I haven't been in that company in six years. <laughs> and he goes, you want to know what's even more interesting as I travel around and I'm fixing, you know, the copiers that are in people's offices, your name still gets brought up. Kurt, I haven't been in that company in six plus years. So if relationships don't matter, I've just proved everyone wrong when they're still talking about me six years after the fact. It's interesting too, because these principles, relationship principles are relationship principles, whether it's in sales, whether it's friendships, whether it's family. It's an interesting question to ask for any relationship in your life, right? If I wasn't here, would anyone miss me? Would anyone care? Actually, that as you were talking about that, as you mentioned that, you know, that, that was one of the, the catalysts for me to make the transformation in my life when my father passed at his wake. You know, he had done, it, it, is there similarities? My dad worked on the space program, designed all the electronic switches on the Boeing 777, fighter jets, all this stuff, right? He was the engineer. He was the brainiac, you know, and <laughs> incredible career. And at his wake, no one mentioned anything about his career. And these grown men were in tears, but they got to know my dad, volunteer. He was head of the University of Notre Dame club. He was all this stuff. And that's, that, that's one of the questions I asked myself in my head. Like, if I died today, would anyone give a shit? Yeah. Would anyone miss me? And I, I know my wife and my kids would. Uh, but beyond that, you know, would I have grown men in tears? Not that I, it's, and it wasn't about me. It was more about, am I building the relationships? Am I building the life that has, that has the impact that I actually would like it to have? Um, but that applies to relationships. It's, it's, those timeless principles are timeless principles, whether it's sales, family, friends, right? It, it, it just doesn't matter. Relationships, heart, all the human aspects, in my opinion, are alive and well and ever so important in the sales world today. And I said, you know, ask any organization, ask any leader, ask any executive, ask any salesperson, do your customers or clients matter to you? And you're going to get a resounding yes. And you know that. Yeah. Then my question back to him is, why do you shit on them? And not, you know, not in a direct way to say, you know what, all you guys are doing everything wrong, but it's in the back of their head to go, you know what? what could I be doing better? And I always say, if you're not loving on your customers or your clients, somebody else will. Yeah. And again, it goes back to, oh, it's too mushy and gushy, right? I got to draw that fine line. I get it, right? There's a huge difference between loving on your customers and loving on your family in a, in a different way. But if you can truly love on your customers and clients and they know it, they sense it, that's when you know you're there. What, you know, so here's an interesting, this, this is going to spark kind of an offshoot here. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Gallup strengths coach. And so that self-awareness and actually, you know, you take the assessment, you find out your strengths, those naturally occurring patterns of thought, feeling, and behavior, you know, that are, that make you who you are. And one of the first things we do is have people go to friends and family and say, what do you think of these strengths? And invariably, there's a lot of people who find out their strengths are like, I'm not that. And then they ask all their family and friends and all their family or friends are like, yeah, you are. Yeah. But you know, one of my top strengths is responsibility. And so from, from, the, the, uh, from the superpower side of things, right? I do what I say I'm going to do. I also expect other people to say what I'm going to do. And I can get, you know, it's like, you know, you, you know, from selling a book, right? It's like that asshole over there, I gave that guy two grand for whatever and he won't even buy my book for 99 cents or 6.99. Yeah. You know, that responsibility makes me so angry, you know? But it also, my responsibility can cause me to do things I don't want to do. Or it can cause me to do too much. It, I, 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 so where is that, you know, you build a company and you want to build that relationship with your client, but you also want to build a scalable company. And, you know, you set the price at this and it involves this. 
and they want to kind of take advantage of your time. So there's that fine line between serving them and loving on them, but also like, hey guys, this is, you know, a group training course. You didn't pay for phone calls. Right. And you go above and beyond. The next thing you know, you're washing phone calls and you did them for these five people. So you got to do them for these 10. And then finally, you look, then you look like an asshole, right? Because you come out and say, well, I'm going to have to start charging for phone calls. Um, I'm probably describing this in a bad way, but where's that fine line between loving and serving and, and, and going so far that you're not, you're not building a scalable company and you know what? They didn't pay for this shit. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it's happened to me and it's yeah. happened to everybody, right? I know it's yeah. happened to you, Kurt. I, yeah. it, it, just, it, it just happens, but at a certain point in time, I had to, sh- I had to, sh- you know, I, I still do it right now sometimes with what I do. It's because I want to help and all that. But then finally, I, you know, I just, it's being able to have those uncomfortable conversations and take those moments and just say, hey, you know what? I've really enjoyed this. And just like your business is there to make a profit and to profitably serve your clients and profitably serve your employees, I have to do the same thing. It's just, it's having those tough conversations, but making those tough conversations just become natural. Nobody, nobody wants to go down that road because they're going to go, okay, now I'm going to have that conversation. I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. As opposed to just laying it out and say, Hey, you know what, Kurt, this has been great. I, you know, I appreciate our relationship and I appreciate everything about it, but just as you're running a business, and your business is there to make a profit, so is mine. Yeah. And I think you probably know where I'm going to go with this. (laughs) And when you start saying it in words like that, I remember a long time ago, you know, I was taught iron fist velvet glove. (laughs) And those are the iron fist velvet glove conversations that a lot of people need to have. And have them early, right? (laughs) And and have them early because I said, you know what? You've trained your customers, your clients to do certain things. Because you've allowed it to happen and you you don't walk that line because you're too afraid. But quite Lovian, right? (laughs) Yeah, but quite quite frankly, if you have those conversations in a heart-to-heart way where it's not salesperson, company versus client customer and their company and you're doing this no you're all are in it together yeah and you and you just because i remember having them hey i respect the fact you have to make money and so do we but we're gonna have to come to some kind of agreement on what's what's kosher yeah absolutely so final question of this interview the word freedom. You know, we, we, we talked about, we started off talking about the dad's quote, sales being freedom. And if you can sell, man, you can, you can have a lot of freedom to do a variety of different things. What does the word freedom mean to you? Wow. <laughs> you might leave me speechless on this one, Kurt. <laughs> um, I, I would say... Freedom would just be that you're allowed to do the things or you can do the things that make you happy without having anyone there dictate what's right or what's wrong. And I don't know if I, if I shared it, if I, if you get what I'm throwing at you, but um, you know, it's something that I don't think I don't look at it, you know, probably the same way you do, you know, what's it mean to, you know, to live with freedom is I just, I just look at, I'm just thankful I can wake up every morning and do the things that, that I can do without somebody saying, this is what you can or can't do. Because I know a lot of people live in a world where that happens. Yeah. Um, but I think freedom starts from inside of us. And a lot of times, and I had to live through it. A lot of times I've, I kept myself in kind of this internal jail because I was too afraid. But once I set my mind free and said, you know what, this is who I am. I'm going to go out and do the things that I want to do inside the sales world because it matters to me. And no one's going to say, Hey, you can or can't do this. That's why I became my own sales manager because of that. 
So I think free, you know, freedom to me starts inside and it's just, you know, us taking a step back and saying, you know, we all have the capability of doing something, but it's up to us what we do with it. And, and no, and no one's holding a hammer over your head except for you. Yeah. Especially the world that we live in. Well, on that note, Larry Levine, author of Selling from the Heart. Thank you so much for joining us on the Freedom Club podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. I enjoyed this. Yeah. Yeah. We could go on for another couple hours. Oh, I, I, know, I know we could. <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to continue because, hey, just for all you listeners, Kurt's coming on my podcast. I can almost guarantee you there's round two to this conversation coming up shortly. Yes, absolutely. Well, cool. Larry, thanks so much. No, it's my pleasure. You're an awesome dude. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right.